Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 291 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by a lady that perhaps will be part of the panel for the for the long term. We shall see. And this lady is professional boxer Hannah Bagley from Blackpool. Hannah, welcome to the show. And um, like I say, hopefully it's something that you enjoy and we can do it many more, many more weeks in the future. Hey, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Uh, I've been excited all week about this, so yeah, looking forward to be here. Excellent. And before we get into the kind of weekly stuff, we're going to obviously go over the review part from last week. The preview part uh, will be in part two for, for for this coming week. Before we get into that, just give our listeners a bit of a backstory about yourself. Obviously, you know you're on Twitter, you're on socials, but there's more of a story behind you than I guess a lot of other aspiring boxers at the moment. You've got quite an interesting one. You've been, you know, in the UK. You've been overseas. You've come back. You've got quite a quirky job, I guess. <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, boxing really started because I was quite misbehaved at school. Um, I got kicked out of two schools for fighting. Um, and my dad was just like, right, this is ridiculous. Like, you need a bit of discipline. You need somewhere to put your energy. Like, you're not one of the boys. You are one of the girls. Like, but you need to channel that. And um, obviously, I was very rough and ready. <laughs> So um, I went to Kingscote Boxing and um, Anthony Moran at the time was who was coaching and that's where that one started. Um, And then my friend George moved to Australia and I was like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. I want to live in Australia. So my dad was like, well, you're not going until you've got like a set of qualifications behind you. So this was like 15, 16. So I went to college and I did painting and decorating. And within like eight months, I'd got an apprenticeship. And um, within like three or four weeks, um, I was doing skill build competitions for Dulux and um, Crown. Ended up winning second and third place there. And then decided, right, this is definitely what I want to do. I love, love, love painting and decorating. So carried on with my apprenticeship. Still do that now. However, in the meantime, obviously, when I got a social life, I decided I didn't want to box anymore when I was a bit younger. And then picked it up by accident again when I was like 20, was um, training down at Bulldog's gym. And um, Jimmy had a girl fighting on the show. And she said to me, um, he said to me, could you just come in and do a bit of sparring with her? Like, I know you've never been in the ring before, but um, it's just to help... Uh, it's just to help her out. So I was like, no problem. So I've come in. He's just said, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to sort of put your hands here. Showed me, like, the basics. And then um, the first punch, she just fell to the floor. And she decided that boxing wasn't for her. But he'd sold loads of tickets to the fight on the basis that there was a woman fighting. Like, And Carmen was a good-looking woman as well. So there was a lot of hype. And he was like, you're going to have to step in. I've sold loads of tickets now. So that's where that one started with the fighting. Um, went back to Australia um, and then came back from Australia, did eight months fighting on the road um, as an away fighter for like the unlicensed scene, basically, and um, won consecutively like 10 fights in a row. And that's like hard to do on the road because like you go there and even if you win, if you don't win convincingly, just as the same really as in, in the pro ranks, you lose, but it's a lot more corrupt. So I was, like, knocking people out, getting stoppages. Um, and, yeah, I was just really aggressive. <laughs> so I was um, I was winning and winning convincingly and sometimes, like, undeniably when they were on the canvas. So, yeah, I was loving it. And then went back to Australia and I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Like, I've gone back to Australia. My heart is definitely with boxing. And over there, there's no licensing. None of the girls really want to spar you. So I was just like, I can't do it. 
So I spoke to my coach who at the time is no longer my coach now, but at the time, and he was like, yeah, we can get you a license. You just have to be assessed by the board. And if they think that you, you're good enough, then then you will. So obviously the board come down, they assess your training, you have a meeting with them, etc. And yeah, I got my license and we hit the pandemic and it was just like a nightmare from then on. So that's where it's taken me from day one to now. Okay, excellent. Well, that is quite a story, like I say. And obviously you've... You know, you speak about, you know, your ambitions of turning pro. I know for a while it was a bit of a secret, I guess, of who you were going to end up training with. That's now out in the open, right? Yeah. Arnie so I was Farnell, turning yeah. pro. I was turning pro last year. I did get the license, um, but then the pandemic hit and it didn't get sent out for ages. And there was a bit of a nightmare. And then I was training with someone who I didn't feel was suited to me. Um, not a bad guy or anything, just definitely wasn't, um, we didn't gel properly, like, he was a great guy, but for me, like, I needed someone who understood my style and let me implement it properly, and we had a bit of clashing, so, um, I was on the hunt for a new trainer, and also new management, so I'm being signed this week, and that will also be announced someday. So obviously, when we next speak, we can hopefully go through that again. Um, that'll be fun to talk about. But yeah, it's now out in the open. I am now training under Anthony Farnell, and he's a proper. I don't. I say Anthony, but everyone says Anthony. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a legend, and he's just he's just a great guy, and he just me and him literally within the first 10 minutes just just instantly gelled like our styles he completely understood my sort of boxing stance because I'm really long like I've got really really long reach and I'm five foot eight so I'm not really sure either um so we were just it just works perfectly like I just can't even tell you how old with me and I am to be working with him he's great that's excellent and again for the listeners that are, that are not aware that are going to be looking out for this pro debut whenever it happens um which weight are you fighting at right so this is undecided because i used to fight at um lightweight but i am i do naturally walk around at like 10 stone 10 um i, I do walk around quite heavy and i can drop down really low but I feel like my power is going to be like I, I hit heavy, and my power is usually best at around 64 kilos. So I think we might even be going to like super welterweight, maybe. So, um, you know, the one above, maybe, maybe super welter or welter. Okay, well, there we so, go. We'll see between super light and super welter. We've not decided yet. Okay, okay, cool. Well, like I say. I'm sure our listeners now will uh, will be very interested in what happens next. Um, but yeah, getting on to the review part of the show, just going to fly through a couple of these cards here. I'm going to start in Russia at the KRK. Um, this was last Friday. We had our very own Liam Smith go out there and fight this undefeated fighter, Magomed Kurbanov, 21-0, uh, with 14 KOs going in. It was fully vacant WBO International Super Welterweight title. Liam Smith probably shafted a little bit on the cards, I think. A unanimous decision in the the end for Kurbanov. I don't think it was a surprise. I think really Liam Smith probably knew he had to stop him. Um, a lot of people felt he won the fight, but no surprise. The Russian, the home fighter, got it wide. Liam Smith now 29 and 3 with a draw. Kurbanov 22 and 0. Uh, moving out now though to the big one at the AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, USA. I'm going to run through this undercard here uh, real real briefly. Mark Castro, prospect with a win there. 3-0 now. A TKO for him in round four against Irving Castillo. Uh, K. Sean Davis, a win for him. First time he's gone the distance. He's now 3-0. Um, he went six rounds against journeyman Jose Meza, who is now 7-5. and um, Heavyweight Frank Sanchez, now 18-0. A technical decision after six rounds against Nagy Aguilera. Um, it was for the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title. Aguilera got kind of hit with a shot where um, I believe I believe Sanchez threw like a right hook. It hit his shoulder. Then it kind of um, it kind of went behind the head of Aguilera. It was more like an open cuff shot. Aguilera went down, made a real meal of it, and tried to get Sanchez um, disqualified, but it didn't. It didn't work. Um, it went to the cards and he lost on a technical decision. A little bit embarrassing there. Um, Elwin Soto on the card as well. A win for him. He successfully defended his WBO light 
um, light flyweight world title against Katsunari Taka, Takayama, who's now 32-9. and nine. Soto with a good win there, 19-1. and one. Um, Really good fight while it lasted as well. Um, some early dramas for... Uh, for Takayama to come through and he battled back strong he was coming on strong actually and it was a terrible stoppage by uh, referee Lawrence Cole he's being heavily criticized for that um, straight oh, after that yeah straight after they stopped it he started throwing a combination in the air <laughs> yeah literally I've seen loads of memes that have been made out of him when it when it's when you get your new Stone Island jacket and you try it on in the changing room he does that thinking <laughs> loads of blessing he's fell victim to a lot of memes oh, on that <laughs> no hilarious yeah man. it was a dodgy decision that but there was quite a few unanswered punches before this before the second combo after he'd thrown he did throw again, but then the, before that, there was a few, like quite a few in a row. Like, I think it was like 18 punches unanswered. So, and he did get battered the whole fight. So I can understand like the refs sort of stopping it, but at the time it did look unjust. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Elsewhere on the card, our very own brave Kieran Conway went out there to the States to take on Solomon Sissoko, the Olympic bronze medalist. Sissoko now 13-0, and Conway now 16-2 and with a draw. Um, it was for Conway's WBA Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. Um, yeah, he didn't seem to really fight with enough urgency, Conway, till late on. And he put Sissoko down in the ninth round, which was very... Um, you know, very unexpected, and it was early on in the round. Conway isn't known for his punching. It was a left uppercut right up under the guard. Sissoko turned his back, and a few seconds later, he took a knee. Um, I think he was lucky that Conway didn't jump straight on him and hit him while his back was turned. Uh, too little, too late, though, on the scorecards. But all in all, credit to Conway. Um, some huge domestic fights for him at 154. His stocks, I think, have gone up there. I'd like to see him against someone like an Anthony Fowler. But another win for Sissoko. And moving up to the main event, Canelo Alvarez. We didn't want to see him win, I don't think. We're speaking on behalf of the rest of the UK. We wanted the Brit to win. But, um, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders loses his O. He's now 30-1. and one. He loses his WBO super middleweight world title. Canelo now has the WBC, WBA, and WBO. 56 wins, one loss to Mayweather all those years ago, and two draws. Um, that now means that Tyson Fury has, out of all the reigning, not reigning, out of all the active British fighters, he has the longest undefeated streak. It was him and Billy Joe tied. The two travelers tied, but now Tyson Fury's got it on his own, but forget about that. On to the fight. I'm going to come to you first, Hannah. What did you make of it? Oh, I loved it. And when you say we all wanted the Brit to win, I'm so sorry, but like, I was backing Canelo. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just really <laughs> rate him as a fighter. Like, I know people have got their opinions and obviously their dislikes and likes and all the, you know, the contaminated meat scenario and stuff, but... Um, I absolutely was rooting for Canelo. I think he's just amazing. Like, his boxing's just sensational. And I just, you can't not love him. Like, I obviously like Billy Joe Saunders. And I think he's a great fighter. And he can be so entertaining at times. But I just don't think he trains in the same way as Canelo. Like, I feel like Canelo really deserves this. Like, he's, his whole life is boxing, you know. Billy Joe Saunders sometimes is a bit distasteful with what he says and it was it was leading up to the media and I thought bloody hell I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be bothered if Billy Joe Saunders lost he, um, the way he handled the reporters it was just so rude like I thought come on like these guys are here to do their job like don't be rude and then he said about um, the prostitutes with Tyson Fury and I thought Tyson Fury's got a wife at home that's got to listen to that like where's your respect and I just thought after that, I thought, oh my God, so many people are going to be rooting for Canelo after that. But I already, I already wanted him to win. I thought, I think Canelo's amazing. I do, I do rate him. But the fight I had even um, mm -hmm. right up until he got that punch in the eye. I thought it was a bit like, it was a bit, it's it a shame, a massive shame. Like I was gutted for Billy, but you know, that's, that's the danger of, you know, fighting these top class fighters is that it can just change in one punch and, you know, that was always going to be Canelo's game. He already said in the interviews that he was going to... There's, there's hard fights and there's difficult fights. And he said, Billy Joe Saunders won't be a hard fight. He'll be a difficult fight. Because one, he's southpaw, and he's a very slick southpaw at that. And he's obviously a lot longer, and he's got a bigger reach. So Canelo was always going to have to sort of give away a few rounds at the start 
um, to try and move in on him and work him out. And when he did, look what happened, game over. So I don't think people can say, because I've seen online, I don't think people can say fairly that, oh, Canelo was lucky like, by getting that punch. That that was probably his plan anyway. Like, he did say that he was going to have to give away a couple of rounds. So, yeah, I thought it was a great fight. Um, you could have seen that one come in. Uh, and I did think at the time that his corner made the right decision. I didn't think for a second, oh, they've quit. Like, you saw his face basically fall into his face. So I thought straight away they'd made the right decision and they've saved his eyesight, so he lives to fight another day, do you know? Yeah, no, and I feel I feel like you've you've nailed that actually. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the eight rounds just in in, in my own words. Um, first yeah. round I felt was a feel out round. Saunders really I felt was out jabbing Canelo. He was trying to keep it long. Canelo did manage to close the ring off on one or two occasions and load up with these big looking right hands to the body. But I'm not sure I gave Canelo the round. I think for me Saunders won the round on the jab. Round two I gave to Canelo. Um, he started to really sink those body shots in, and all the times he connected upstairs with Saunders Saunders would block it but it would still be enough to knock him back on the heels of his feet uh, Canelo obviously the, the much heavier handed of the two it, it would appear um, Saunders as well struggling with the head movement of Canelo struggling to nail him down. Round 3 a good round I felt Saunders started well and finished well but there was some big moments in the middle of the round 4 uh, for Canelo. Big shots that Billy Joe was was just shaking his head at trying to rubbish them off but they were, they were certainly you know getting his attention. Round for the pair seemed to open up more which I think was a bad tactic for Saunders not that I think he had much of a choice in the matter but the fight being uh, more open I felt gave Canelo bigger chances to exploit that factor and look good on on you know in the eye of the, uh, the judges 3-1 I had it after four to Canelo there um yeah, round five, Saunders for me had his best round there. He landed an, an excellent double jab that you could hear snap back Canelo's head. That doesn't happen often. Uh, he also got through with some beautiful power shots. Saunders looked quite comfortable, actually. Good sign, 3-2 after five in favor of Canelo. Round six, a really good round. Um, it got close towards the end. I felt Saunders was measuring the distance perfectly. He was making Canelo miss wildly, and he was countering him. And Also, he was going to the body as well. I really liked what I was seeing. He was in a rhythm. I had it 3-3 at that point. Round 7, I gave to Canelo. I felt Billy Joe made him miss a lot, but I don't think he really did enough um, offensively himself, punching and stuff like that, to win the round. So I gave that to Canelo, you know, even still. And then round 8, the final round, yeah, Saunders ducked right onto that uppercut. It got him just underneath the eye, and um, it clearly hurt him, obviously. His right eye instantly swole up. His vision clearly bothered, and you saw at the end of the round, he made it through bravely, I think, and... When, when we seen him in the corner, his eye was starting to shut straight away. And, you know, the corner stops it. People say quit. Um, I, I, I don't like to throw the Q word around, you know, when, when it's not needed. And I don't like to do it in general. But when it comes to your eye, I've got a very... You know, I've got a very... Uh, I'm sympathetic. When it comes to, the, to your vision, this, is, this isn't... You know, this is for the rest of your life, potentially. So I don't think he quit. And he didn't say, no, I've had enough. It was his corner that stopped it. I'm not calling him a quitter. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people are on, on Twitter. The the, uh, the, yeah, the the quit is getting thrown around on Twitter a lot. But not, not here, not from me, not from you. It sounds like I have a Hannah. No, definitely not. And do you know what makes me laugh? And this is what pisses me off about people, right? For all Billy Joe Saunders is, yeah, at the end of the day, he's a human being. And then people sat on their couches you know, judging people. I'd love to see them step through the ropes. They have no idea the amount of courage it takes just to walk down that aisle and get in the ropes, you know what I mean? Go past the crowd. So to say he's quit, he didn't quit. For one, his corner pulled him out. So for his corner to do that, it was serious. And also, you saw his face sink into his face. Like, it didn't just swell up alone. His eyes swelled up, it shut, and then his face, like, there was like a hollow in it. it and it was in, huge. Yeah. Yeah, like, they've got to understand that this guy has got the rest of his life, not even just boxing career. You try walk around with that one eye after you've had both eyes all your life. Like, no, Mark Tibbs did the right thing, and if he'd have done anything else, I think he would have been an idiot to put his life in danger like that. So, yeah, no, definitely not a quitter. Not a quitter at all, and I'd love to see the rematch. And that's the sort of thing where then Billy will be backed even more, because it's like, right, this guy's come back from that. You know, it was unlucky, but 
that's the that's the art of boxing, unfortunately. Yeah, and you're right. You know, Mark Tibbs certainly made the the right call. He only had 60 seconds to make the right call, and he got it absolutely bang on. And not to mention, but also the fact that this isn't a guy who can't punch in front of you. This isn't a guy that you're beating up easy. This is Canelo. You can't just yeah. <laughs> fight on another pound, for pound world champion. Exactly. And as it stands, other than that Mayweather, and and I just don't think at the minute there's anyone maybe other than Billy Joe Saunders that could beat him. To be honest with you, Billy, I think Billy Joe Saunders after seeing that, if he just kept on the one twos and just stopped trying to trade shots with the pound for pound fighter, you know, I think he could definitely beat him. But as it stands, I just can't see anyone else matching him at the minute. Yeah, I think if he'd have, yeah, like I say, Mark Tibbs makes the right call. If he puts him back in for round 9, 10, 11, 12, oh boy, that is dangerous. But that's it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, it's now time to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former four-weight world champion. It is, of course, the living legend himself, Mr. Nonito Donaire. Nonito, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thank you for having me again. Hey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. So, Nanito, we last spoke back in November 2019. Obviously, it's been a while. It was a few days after the Inoue fight. My first question is, though, um, how has your pandemic been? Where have you been during all these crazy times? Has it been rough for you and the family? Well, it's been actually great. You know, I got to spend more time with my kids. I uh, got to learn a lot about myself with my kids, um, you know, myself with my wife. Um, so with my whole family, there's just been a lot of changes into something uh, a lot more intimate and great, greater changes for my kids as well with me and understanding them. So there was just a lot of time with, with them, and, and I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have that time with them. Um, in terms of training, we've been training all around. We've been doing um, a lot of a lot of different kind of stuff, you know, just working on on. I had the time to just kind of look back into all the fights and 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 see what I was missing or what I am missing to get it back into the best shape that I can be for for the next one. And, you know, it's great that everything's seeming to get back to normal now in terms of, you know, seeing like a huge crowd at the Canelo fight. That was great to see. Um, you mentioned your next fight there. It's been announced as part of PBC's Showtime schedule. Um, it's one of the best fights on that schedule, by the way. You'll be boxing Nordin Ubali for his WBC Bantamweight World title, May 29th. Um, tell me about this fight here and how much hunger do you have for, you know, for this opponent? I'm very excited for this fight. You know, the hunger has been oh, nearly two years for me getting inside that ring. So I'm very, very excited. And, and, and just to see all the things that I've been working on uh, coming to fruition into that fight. So I'm looking forward to all of that. And I remember when no one thought you'd be able to <laughs> to make weight for the Ryan Burnett fight, which, uh, you know, I remember at the time people were saying, he's not going to make weight. It's been seven years since he made Bantam weight. You've now been back at that weight all this time, like I say, since the Burnett fight uh, back in November 2018. And how about this for a beautiful fact, by the way? In your career, um, you know, which you will know, you've boxed at flyweight, super flyweight, bantamweight, super bantam, and then feather. Um, you've 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 been back at bantam since that Burnett fight back in November 2018, which means you've you've been at this weight for two and a half years. That's the longest amount of time you've spent at any weight during your 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 huge career. Um, is it safe to say, Nonito, that a lot of people seem to go up in weight as they get older? You going back down, you seem to be comfortable here. It would seem. <laughs> Well, I've always been comfortable in this weight. I just always needed um, the challenge and always needed to look for something that challenges me. And, you know, there was bigger opposition in the heavier division. So um, I came to to uh, realize now that I'm older, I got to take care of myself and get to the to the um, to the to my real weight class, which is the Bantam weight. And I've always belonged here. So, you know, this is where I've usually been comfortable all my life. Uh, I just just been looking for more. And back on to Obali, um, he actually boxed on the undercard of your fight against Inoue, so you're both coming off that same exact amount of inactivity. Um, have you have you had a chance to kind of get a good look at him and his fighting style and all the rest of that? Uh, just a little bit. I don't really usually study any fights. Just a little glimpse of things and and 
a little bit of their actions and habits. That's usually what I look for when I'm looking at a fight, and it usually carries on um, through all the other fights. Um, so we just kind of built a little bit of of, of uh, strategic maneuvers or plans according to what I found um, in in that first fight. But I didn't really truly look into it and took the time, which I usually will do closer to the fight. And obviously. Nanito, without looking too far in the future, I know you're a guy that kind of needs to have that that you know that hunger to perform at the highest level. I think there's been guys before that you've overlooked and you haven't looked your best. And when you've been up against it and people doubt you, like the Inoue fight, you, you was excellent in that fight. Um, but but like I said, back to the question. Without looking ahead, is there any other big fights out there for you that? give you that hunger I'm, I'm kind of thinking of like a John Real Casemiro is that a big fight is there other guys uh definitely something like that but the biggest guy for me is to get that rematch that's, that's all I want is that rematch um with Inoue I think that's a great fight that was a fun fight for me I've learned a lot from it getting back it's like it brought me back to to that hunger and that excitement when I was when I was um starting my career as a professional fighter uh, 20 years ago so um that's that's uh that that was that was amazing for me and i want to get that fight all over again yeah because when we last spoke you actually told me at the time that you wanted the rematch and we were only a few days out from the fight or after the fight so i kind of thought okay that's normal to feel like that but i was going to ask you if that's still a rematch that you seek it's been long enough now to reflect properly um if you were to get that rematch nonito let's say perhaps if you were to beat ubali here become champion and, and the rematch, you know, for all these belts. How do you see the fight playing out? Do you see it playing out completely different to the first one, which, by the way, was the best fight I've seen in years? Definitely. I think that I found the formula to beat Inoue, um, and, and I'm very confident with it. Um, I know I can take his punches, and so not that I'm going to go out there to, to take punches, but I know the formula to beat him in, 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 you know, in my experience. And I've, you know, for me, I, I've always, you know, even in the amateur days, I've always been on top of the game. I was never the elite. I was always the champion. So being in second place, it doesn't leave, it, does, it leaves a, a not such a great taste in my mouth, you know. So I want to get up there again and be the best in the division like I've always have. And that's something that I always look forward to doing. And because of that challenge, that's what motivates me. So I definitely want that rematch. And is that the fight that you want more than any other fight right now? And also, how confident are you that you can beat the guy if you was to put it down to a percentage if you did get the rematch? Well, I've, I always learn from, 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 you know, the fight. And, and I'm, I'm a very visual person. So I see the fight happening right off when I close my eyes and I think about it. So I know exactly what's going on, what I, what my flaws were and what I need to do. So, um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's just exciting. You know, I think, I think at, at my age and in, in, in an experience in the boxing world, it's just this excitement is what brings me alive. And like we say, you know, it was, it was some time ago now. It was, it was obviously your last fight, which a lot of people were watching. You showed the world you still have so much left to offer. Even, like you say, you've been a pro 20 years. Um, you're still one of the best fighters in the world after all that time. They say nobody beats father time. Do you have any idea when father time's coming for you? <laughs> I think because I'm so disciplined, disciplined um, I... I believe I still got a lot, a lot more left, maybe 10 years left if I want to. Um, it's just more of where my, where my mind is or where my heart is in terms of am I willing to get up, you know, for a fight? You know, like, because I, I, I don't know how to take it easy. I just never do know how to take it easy. When I go, I go and I go all out. And, you know, it, you know like they say, sometimes um, a fighter gets old in, in, in one night you know um but that i think that i believe that is because of the heart and the mind is not aligned to being inside that ring so ultimately for me if i still want to do it for the longest time you know i have to be aligned um and and when i'm not that's when father time takes his time and 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 takes and, and you know and, and wins wins against everybody 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there was one question that someone on Twitter sent in. I'm going to just read this one out. Um, A guy guy sent this in called Escudo. He said, which was the best left hook you ever threw? Montiel, Inoue, or Victor Chinian? They're all fantastic examples, or perhaps it was a different one. You tell me, Nanita. (laughs) Well, they're all all have their own glory. Um, You know, one thing that's more memorable, well, all of them were very memorable. Um, but one thing that was more devastating would be the Montiel one because it was planned. It was executed well. And it, it you know, I know that the, the, the Argentinian was planned as well, but it took me a while to get there, to land it, to get the distance. But with, with, um, with the Montiel fight, I called it. I, I called that round and I called the punch and it just happened the way it, it did, you know? So, um, that that I would say was is number one out of all of them. Yeah, and for those that are listening that don't know this, one time Nonito had me close my eyes and I had to envision him throwing this left hook. And right after the interview, I went straight to sleep. This is a true story. So the left hook is very real, both <laughs> both physical and spiritual. You remember that, Nonito, a few years back? <laughs> yes. I slept real good that night. Um, and just, <laughs> just, just, just finally, finally, Nanito. Um, if you've got a prediction for the fight, May 29th, um, or or if you don't, um, if you do, share it with us. If you don't, then that's fine. Well, I don't really truly make any prediction anymore. But one thing that I do know is I will not try to make it go to the. You know, I'm not gonna make him go. Uh, to the decision you know i've always gone for a knockout now he's gonna go look for a knockout you know um in my time now i'm, I'm ready for a war if it needs to be i'm ready to, to play it smart if it needs to be i'm ready for anything so they be better prepared to the best they can because i'm coming for them absolutely and i believe every word you say just finally finally nanita if you've got a closing message uh particularly for your listeners here in the uk that absolutely adore you usually you give me like a nice sentence or two of some brilliant wisdom to leave <laughs> us um what do you want to say before we let you go my friend <laughs> well first today in this uh interview is, is mother's day here in the u.s so i want to greet all the mothers out there without you the ladies the mothers, um, there is no, there's nothing, you know, the power that you guys create, the power that you have within you is, is, is the human, is humanity. Without you, there is no humanity. So to all the ladies, this is to you guys, to, to, to you ladies, the power that you have, take it. Congratulations to, to, to the, to just the beauty that you create to, to inspire all of us, you know, I wouldn't be the person that I am without my wife. So behind every man, behind every king is a very powerful woman. So I, I give my respect to the women all around the world. Beautiful stuff. Listen, Nanita, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. I'm sure you know that by now. Best of luck for May 29th. And I hope the next time we speak on the phone, uh, you've got a new belt to add to your ever-growing collection. That is it. That's, that's, what, that's what it'll be. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, usually the news part of the show. However, I'm going to do that right at the back at, on the outro. Um, I'll, I'll do that on the, on the outro if there is any news at the minute. Not too much going on. Let's go now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here at the Box Gym in Cologne, Germany. Over here, um, former... Uh, Tyson Fury opponent Christian Hammer, 25 and 7. He takes on Patrick Kowal in a eight rounder. There, uh, Kowal is a journeyman, 7 and 24. Not sure what's going on there. But the the main talking point on that card over 12 rounds. Manuel Char, 31 and 4, takes on Christopher Lovejoy, the man, the myth. Uh, I'm not going to say the legend, but 19 and 0 with 19 KOs. We were supposed to see him take on Dave Allen. Don King put a stop to it. He got back on a plane. We thought he'd retire. After, I think, an Instagram post, he's, he's now in Germany, and um, things will be interesting if the fight actually happens. I think people out there are still skeptical that the fight's even going to take place, despite him being in Germany. Moving out now to the Manchester Arena. This one going to be on um, on Sky this, this, this Saturday, Saturday 15th. Um, on the undercard, Ellis Hopkins makes her debut. Not a not a girl I know too much about. I'm not sure if you do, Hannah. I've seen a lot of her on social media from um, 
her Instagram. Uh, I always keep an eye, always keep an eye on people who are turning pro at the same time me, because they're they're the people you're going to be fighting. Um, so yeah, who knows? We're in similar weight categories as well. I think she's welter, is she? So, sure. um, yeah. yeah, I think she's welter. Um, so yeah, I always keep an eye out, and I'm pretty sure she actually had a Bieber license and went and had a fight in um, like Spain or somewhere not long ago before turning pro with the. British Board of Boxing Control. Now, I might be wrong. That might have been with BBOC, but I know she definitely had a fight somewhere else um, abroad. And I don't think you can have your debut um, abroad when you're with the British Board. So I'm pretty sure she had a Bieber license first. So, yeah, I do, I do keep an eye on girls, definitely, because they're the sort of people that you're going to be fighting. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that she's going to be, like, the first... Um, female traveler to turn pro so that, yeah. that's interesting yeah it's over four two minute rounds against Boris Slava um, Goranova uh, elsewhere on the card we have Dalton Smith 7-0 and oh. he fights for the vacant English super lightweight title against Lee Appleyard 16-5 and five with a draw these that days that'll be a good one yeah that's um, really good Lee's train, trains at Steffi Bulls Gym doesn't he um, oh you've caught me off guard now Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I see him training a lot um, with Steffi Bull. I know that Steffi d- does a lot of promotion for him. I've seen a lot of his and Dalton's um, bout being promoted from Steffi. So Steffi really rates Lee, so that should be good. I've actually not seen Lee box yet. I have seen Dalton, and he's pretty sharp, so um, that should definitely be a good fight. Yeah, and Dalton's, Dalton's father, of course, um, Grant Smith, obviously trains. Um, or trained Charlie Edwards, took him to a world title, took Sonny Edwards to a world title a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's a good gym he's got going on there. Elsewhere on the card, Gamal Yafai, 18-1, and one, defends his EBU European Super Bantamweight title against Jason Cunningham, 28-6. and six. That's over 12 there. Um, should be relatively straightforward there for Yafai, I think. Um, Jason Cunningham's been around the block a few times. Elsewhere on the card, Tommy McCarthy, 17-2. and two. He defends his European cruiserweight title against Alexandru Jur, who is 19 and 4. I've definitely seen that name before, can't think of where. And also, because there's uh, three EBU European title fights on this card, Lerone Richards um, fights for the vacant European title. He's 14 and 0. He takes on Giovanni De Carolis, who is 28 and 9 with a draw over 12 rounds there. De Carolis, another guy who has been around the block, uh, been in many big fights. I'd I'd say he's probably on, you know, on the back end of his career really, even though I don't think he's that old. Um, obviously an Italian fighter, been in there with a whole heap of names. And elsewhere on the card, the final fight to mention on this one, um, Olympic bronze medalist Joshua Boazzi, 13-0 in a 10-rounder against the 15-0 undefeated Daniel Blender dos Santos of France. That is for Boazzi's WBA International Light Heavyweight title. And moving out now to the States for the final card that we have to mention here. It's taking place at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, um, on the undercard, friend of the show, former unified world champion Daniel Roman, twenty-eight and three with a draw. He's in a ten-rounder against Ricardo Espinosa Franco, who's twenty-five and three. Daniel Roman, it was his birthday, I think. Um, maybe yesterday or the day before. Really, really nice guy. Um, like I say, been on the show a couple of times. I wish him all the best. Um, it's a, it's a, it's quite a tough fight to be honest, especially coming off his last out in Danny Roman when he was able to beat Juan Carlos Payano a little bit controversially in many people's eyes. But the main event is an absolute cracker. A man that was on our show last week, the reigning WBA super bantamweight world champion Brandon Figueroa, twenty-one and zero with a draw in a 12-rounder against Mexico's very own Luis Neri, who's 31-0. He brings to the table his WBC Super Bantamweight world title. Both men undefeated, both men young, both men world champions, both men can bang. That is going to be brilliant there. It's going to be on Showtime, early hours of Sunday morning slash Saturday evening. And the winner of that, of course, already knows who they'll be fighting next. It'll be... Um, against Stephen Fulton in the back end of the year. So that will be exciting. But anyway, that's it for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up part two, the final thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated middleweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Bradley Ray. Bradley, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Absolutely, my pleasure. So, Brad, it's the first time you've been on the podcast, and perhaps for some of the listeners, they might not be that familiar with your name just yet. Um, tell us your story. How did you get into boxing? Have you ever had any crazy jobs? Tell us your story. Uh, so, I've, I've been boxing as long as I remember, really, mate. Um, me, me dad uh, runs an amateur gym in Manchester, um, so I've been in and around the gym since I was about seven, eight years old. Um and it's kind of just one of them, you know, it's all I've known. Uh, i done well as an amateur, had about 97 amateur fights, boxed for England, won a, won a couple of national national titles and stuff, and currently 10 and 0 is a pro now. Um, so, yeah, cracking on, not doing too bad. No, absolutely, sounds good from here. And the nickname, Bradley the Stingray, that's a brilliant nickname, you know. Boxing is known for some horrendous nicknames. That is one of the best that I've that I've heard for a while. Um, I remember at the time Joshua Bowatsi. This is going off topic slightly here, but Joshua Bowatsi, he was looking for a nickname and he was asking everyone, you know, what what should be my nickname? And I said his nickname should be Pika, right? Because his name would be Joshua Pika Bowatsi. He didn't like it though. <laughs> I like that, I like that. <laughs> he didn't like it, but anyway, that's another story. You're 10-0 and 0 now, and um, like you say, more than that, you haven't lost a single round as a professional. Uh, your last your last fight took place on the undercard of a colleague, Lewacki, March 20th, against the previously undefeated 7-0 and 0 Lee Cutler. Now, going into that fight, it was it was a 50-50 fight, you know. I believe you'd both sparred in the past also, but I tell you what, I bet you I bet you yourself you didn't expect to take him out in the first round and have him down three times. Tell me about that one, man. No, not at all. Um, you know, I, I was fully prepared uh, prepared for, you know, a tough grueling eight-round fight. Um, you like like you said when when we sparred, um, it it was a really good spar, you know, it's very competitive, very even. Um, but it was a good good year and a half, you know, before we boxed. Um, and I'm kind of at that age now where, you know, I'm kind of like, I was, I was a kid then. I'm getting to that age now where I'm maturing a little bit. Um, and I knew, I knew that kind of in the lead up to this fight, I could tell you in the gym and my strength and conditioning sessions, you know, I was lifting heavier and my sparring, I was hurting, hurting partners, uh, sparring partners and, you know, I, I knew it was hitting a lot harder, and I could tell in the lead up, he could kind of in the interviews, he was expecting this, you know, this little little kid to get in the ring with him, and I knew that if if I ever hit him hard early on, and you know, let him know I'm not that same little kid that you sparred, um, that that I'd catch him off guard and surprise him, and you know, I, I did from the first round, and I, I just didn't think he was expecting it. No, and like I say, when you got him hurt, it was devastating the, the, the way you finished him. You train out of the Hatton gym. Um, tell me, Brad, who have you managed to have a move around with in that gym or any other gym for that matter, the kind of bigger names if, if, if there is any? Yeah, so I do. Um, I'm in quite a good area for sparring. You know, in Manchester, it's it's absolutely booming. I do quite a lot of rounds with the likes of Jack Cullen and Mark Heffron. Um, and then I've also... I've also mixed it with, you know, I've been down to Ingalls, Spad, Williams. Um, I've had JJ Metcalf down, uh, Fowler, um, Liam Smith. I did, I did a lot of sparring with Liam Smith. Uh, this was before my debut, but when he had the uh, Munguia fight, um, I did quite a lot of sparring with him for that. So I think, you know, sparring them kind of elite level fighters early on in my career, especially before my debut and stuff, it's kind of give me a bit of a boost to the, the progression, you know, I've progressed quite fast and kind of got used to the pro game a lot faster than, you know, other people because I've been having that top class sparring. Yeah, it's priceless. It is. Um, and I want to ask you as well, it's such a brilliant division domestically. And, um, you know, usually guys come through, they get to perhaps 15, 16, 17, maybe even 20 and 0 without really kind of fighting anyone that's any good but you've shown straight away there in your 10th fight you've mixed it with a guy who was really good you took him out you made it look easy so I'm, I think it's uh, you know a fair enough time to come to you about this question here have you got your eye on anyone domestically because there are so many names out there in the middleweight division yeah there is um you know like you said I've shown him the last fight uh 
uh, although I'm only young, I'm only 23 and I've only had 10 fights, I'm, I'm not here to hang about, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to be fighting journeymen um, now, especially. You know, I've had a taste of getting in there with an undefeated ladder. I, I feel like I'm at that level. I want to hang about and stay there. And, you know, there's a few there's a few very good kids uh, around the middleweight division. It, it's a hard division. Um, but, yeah, there's one or two I've got my eye on that, that I reckon in in a few fights' time, uh, you know, they've made for great fights, especially especially if we can get, you know, a few titles on the line or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a red-hot division at the moment, domestically. And I want to ask you... Um, Brad, what's your best win out of those ten? I'm guessing it's got to be. It's probably a silly question. It's got to be the Cutler win, surely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I would say, you know, as an opponent, um, you know, is is a really good fighter, Lee, and I think, I think from what I've heard, he's looking at dropping down to light middle now, and I honestly think, you know, he'll do well at that weight, and I think in a, maybe a few years' time. Um, that win will even look even better for me because he'll go on to you know do uh, do good things. But yeah, um, definitely as a win, I think it was my last fight. But the fight before that, I was on the uh, Quig and Carroll undercard at Manchester Arena, and um, kind of it's been a dream of mine to box at Manchester Arena since I was since I was a little kid. You know, going going to watch the likes of Ricky and and Andy Crawler and Scott Quig and stuff and. You know, it was just it was just nice to to tick off tick off the list, and um, you know, hopefully it won't be it won't be the last time. Yeah, I'm sure it won't be. And um, yeah, another win that I just want to let the listeners know about if they didn't know, there's a guy that you beat uh, before you, you you took him out. I think he retired on his store after two. Paul Allison. That's uh, that's half the time that Chris Eubank Jr. did it. By the way, he got him out there in four. You only needed two. So that's another one to uh, to let the listeners know about. Um, I want to ask you as well. Brad, did you get did you get a chance to watch the action on the weekend? Did you see Canelo Saunders at all? Yeah, I did, mate. I did. Um, not very often. I'll I'll stay up. I'll get up now to watch fights. But you know, when uh, when Canelo fights, it's just it's a spectacle in it, and it's like I, I kind of compare it to you know how it used to be with Mike Tyson, and um, yeah, I wasn't missing that. No chance. What did you make of it? Um. It's kind of what I, what I, what I expected. Um, I think a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, if that fight would have been made, I, I 100% would have backed Billy Joe for the upset. Um, kind of the time Canelo was boxing Austin Trout and Lara and stuff, I think, um, you know, I think Billy Joe would have just been all wrong for him. And I think he could have exposed a few of his weaknesses. But in that time, kind of when Billy Joe was not, been competing at world level and you know he's been a bit stop start and Canelo's just kind of t- he's just took it to a whole different level and he's been boxing world class fighters fight after fight and you know I just think he's he's a whole different beast now and I think that's shown on uh, on Saturday night you know you've got to uh, take your hat off to Billy Joe he um, he one hundred percent come to win you know you could tell by by the way he was boxing um, you know a lot of opponents when they get in there you can tell with Canelo they're just cashing in for the big payday. And um, you know Billy Joe, Billy Joe come to win, but you know I, I could only only ever see Canelo getting the win, and he he looked he looked really good to be fair. Uh, I just I honestly can't see anyone beating him at the moment, even even the light heavyweights, even Bivol or Batavia. But I think he beats him, I really do. Um, it's just hard to see anyone that 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 can that can topple him at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that 100%. Uh, getting back onto yourself, Brad, any idea yet when you'll next be fighting? Any news? Uh, I've been, I had a chat with my manager, Steve Wood, the other day. He's told me September. Um, I think they're just hanging fire a little bit so we can we can get crowds back. Obviously, you know, I'm still boxing on the small all shows. Um, I, I've had the chances of boxing on, you know, them big matchroom shows in my last few fights, but... Not not signed or anything, so I'm still a, a small old boxer. So we kind of got to rely on them ticket sales, haven't we? So uh, yeah, I think we just hang it on till September, and then I'm going to get out in September again. And all these these you know this this I guess this kind of period of time right now, everyone is really unsure on what's going to happen. Is there going to be another lockdown? God knows what's going to happen. But providing there is no lockdowns and things return back to full normality. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself this time next year, Brad? Is there a goal you set yourself for perhaps twelve months time from now? 
Yeah, I want to be. I want to be in a position where you know I'm ready, looking at titles now. Like you said before, the uh, middleweight division is absolutely booming at the moment, and I, I want to get myself in the mix. Um, obviously, we've had a bit of a stop-start year. Um, I've only in the past year and a half, you know, I've only I've only gone four round, uh, five rounds, sorry, over all my fights. So I think I need to get a few more rounds under my belt. Um, Maybe a few eight rounders because you know that was my first scheduled eight rounder, my last fight, and it only went the one. So I think I need to get a few more rounds under my belt, ready for them championship rounds, and then in a year's time I'll be ready to uh, throw my name in the hat and hopefully get in some big fights. And I wish you the very best with that goal. And just finally, Brad, before we wrap it up, if you want to thank any sponsors, you want to thank anyone in you know at all, it's completely up to you. And also, please give out your social media handles where people can follow your, 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 your journey to the top. Yeah, so all my social media is the same. It's Brad Ray, R-E-A underscore. And um, yeah, you know, like, like, like I was saying before, you know, I'm only a small all fighter at the moment. So um, you know, there's all my sponsors, you know, I can't thank them enough who support me, whether it's in a little way or, or, or a lot, you know, especially over the last year, it's been hard. Um and they've kind of stuck by me while while they've been getting nothing back from me. So, you know, I can't thank them all enough. Everyone at the gym, me, me coach, Blaine and Ricky, um, you know, it's hard at the start of your career and I've got a good team around me looking after me. And, um, yeah, the only way is up now, I hope. So, good things coming. Absolutely. Perfect stuff. There we go. Once again, on, on social media, follow this man, B R A D. R-E-A underscore. That's where you go to follow Brad on all socials there. Listen, Brad, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight and a pleasure speaking with you this week, and I hope we can do this again in the future. Oh, man. Thanks so much for having me. Speak soon. Okay, and this wraps up episode 291 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Hannah Bagley has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the former four-weight world champion, Nonito Donaire, and the undefeated middleweight prospect, Bradley Ray. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners, for tuning in once again. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Another positive piece of news for women's boxing. Sandy Ryan has decided to turn pro with Matchroom. I'm looking forward to see how her pro journey plays out and as another pro journey begins another pro journey comes to an end. Former two-time bantamweight world champion and friend of the show Jamie McDonnell has decided to retire from boxing. Um, One of our very best fighters in Britain for the last 10 years I'd say. Um, Very very underappreciated, very underrated but true one of the very best, honestly. Um, didn't probably have the career he, he, he should have done. Um, I'm not quite sure why, you know. He was with Eddie Hearn for most of his career. Um, and, yeah, you know, he, he didn't really have it easy. It was hard seeing him go out to Japan and lose in a round to Inoue. That was difficult. Um, but since then, you know, he came back. He got a win back in 2019 now. And he's kind of just been hanging on for an opportunity since then that didn't come. He's decided to retire. I think he's about 35 years of age. So, you know, he's definitely got his health intact. He's gone out, um, you know, before he starts racking up loads of losses and stuff like that. You know, we never really saw him carry on past his best. You know, it was one bad night against um, against Zinue. But other than that, what a brilliant fighter. And I wish him all the very best in retirement. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week. <laughs>